Eric, what is going on, man? I'm so excited to have you here today. Hell yeah, man. I'm glad we got to do this and the first ever live Luke Smith Nutrition Podcast. <laughs> first ever. It's kind of a big day. Uh, for those of you who can't see us, there's no way you could see us because we're not technically recording this uh, via video, but we are both just staring at each other awkwardly in my <laughs> office right now, and I wouldn't want it any other way. And uh, yeah, we're doing some for the first time here. I'm hoping everything turns out well. I can't imagine it not. Anytime we get together, it's always the best, right? And I'm Mm-hmm. I'm biased and we're gonna be talking about ego today. So that kind of uh, is a joke to maybe some other stuff that we're going to be talking about a little later on. But yeah, e, I'm, I'm pumped. And uh, it, I was thinking like, it's almost, it's almost like we have our own individual podcast within like the Luke Smith nutrition podcast. <laughs> Cause I think this is your what fourth or something time, fifth time coming on here. So they just uh, keep getting weirder and better every time we uh, get together. So I'm excited to, to do the first podcast of what, 2024 together. It's going to be yep. fun. And I would argue it is the awkwardness of staring each other in the eyes that makes it an even better convo. So hopefully our listeners can, can just feel the, the tension here. <laughs> and, but yeah, no, I'm, it's, it's always good. It's like a quarterly type of thing. And um, like you said, we just go down the rabbit hole every single time. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And it kind of, uh, I don't know, just this whole experience makes me think of like how infrequent people do things for the first time nowadays. And when I was getting ready for this, we kind of like, uh, we, we touched base last week, we're going to do a zoom, but you even brought up like, Hey, let's do it live. I think that'd be fun. I'm like, Oh shit. I've never even thought of that. And that'd be fun. And so of course, knowing me, I go get a brand new mic and we get this whole setup now, stuff that I'll be able to use in the future. But even myself, I find being hesitant or like reluctant to doing things for the first time because we get so trapped within our comfort zone. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but it just kind of makes me think about how um, a lot of times we just, we get so involved in our routine and straying away from that or doing something different can scare the shit out of you. And weirdly, that's probably the thing that people need to experiment with the most. And so one thing I have for you, E, and just even everybody else listening to this right now is like, genuinely, when was something or when was the last time that you tried something for the first time? Because for me, like I try and do that, but I feel like I don't do a good enough job. And so like all that to being said, this is helpful for me because it's just kind of a uh, another domino that I can hit, you know, on the road of trying to continue to be better this year. And as I work towards my own goals and things going on, but I don't know if you've ever thought of that. I, I didn't steal of like, I didn't steal the quote of like, when did you do something for the first time? I think, uh, mm-hmm. Drake, uh, had a song. I forget what it was. It's like own it or something, but he had a lyric. That's why I love rap so much. It's sometimes they have these little nuggets that you can apply to your life. But yeah. Of our generation facts, dude, <laughs> just the, uh, the most important figure of our, our generation for sure. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've thought about that at all recently, but this is a good time of the year that people could and should be doing things for the first time too, you know, hundred percent. And I think this kind of dovetails on what we talked about last time with masculine and feminine energy. And again, it's not just uh, pigeonholed to any type of gender or anything like that, but masculine energy is really validated when you face challenges and when you overcome challenges. And it's not even the overcoming the challenge, but it is the journey to overcome it and just getting started. It'll bring up limiting beliefs. It'll bring up fears. Obviously, it'll bring up things that you don't believe about yourself or things that you do believe about yourself, but it's in that process where the growth actually occurs. So again, whether, whether you hit your goal or not, or whether let's say I want to become a great pickleball player this year, which I got a pickleball powder for Christmas. So yeah, but in, in that, in 
doing something that I've never done for the first time, that is where the growth occurs. And just moving towards something I think is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think all of us at some level can get really caught up in just thinking that like what we're doing right now is the best. And in order to get to where we want to be, we need to do what we're already doing even better um, and not challenge or change anything because some of us don't think our shit stinks and that we can just like, just continue to try and do what we think we know we're doing um, just to do it better, which is a weird way of saying like people remove themselves from even stepping in the arena or from stepping out of their comfort zone or, or stepping into something and starting something for the first time that is actually required to get them to where they want to be instead of using dieting for an example or fitness as an example. Sometimes November, December hits, people lose track of how many workouts they're getting a week, what they're consuming. They're overindulging. They get to January. They feel like a fucking bag of trash. And then they just get back to thinking like, oh, I just need to work out five times a week again. And I just need to eat a salad every day for lunch again. And, you know, do all these things. And they kind of fail to neglect that, hey, maybe actually doing something different is the answer to make the next holiday season better or different or um, just just making small changes that doesn't make you feel like a dumpster fire come January 1st and that you need to restart this whole cycle over again because people can find themselves in that routine for fucking decades of their life if they're not careful. I think routines are really great, but also it's important to look at how routines train your central nervous system. And that's where a lot of change comes from and a lot of resistance to change comes from is it's, it's not just your brain, it's not just your ego, which we'll talk about later, but it's literally your body feeling unsafe in a new area. And I think just a tiny step outside your comfort zone can show yourself like, oh, hey, I'm not going to die, you know, if I do this. And I think anybody out there who's tried something new or who knows how hard it is to get up and go to the gym or how hard it is to maybe change your lifestyle sometimes, they're looking at it from that perspective and, and they know that fear and that pain. Like it literally feels like you're going to die sometimes. And I know I felt it. So just taking a small step can be the difference in just breaking up that cycle. Like routines are great, but a lot of times routines are what are keeping you right where you're at. Yeah. And I feel like we've been dance, dancing around this, uh, this word ego. And I kind of want to go there now. And uh, when I wrote some notes here, that was literally the only thing that I wrote initially. I was <laughs> like, let's talk about egos and what that means and what comes from that and how people can identify that and start to become aware of it. At some level, we all have it, right? Some more than others. Sometimes it takes acknowledging that um, to make a change on that. But in general, like this ability to make a change or your willingness to acknowledge that maybe what you're doing isn't the best or you need to do something different or take a leap of faith in a different direction. A lot of times it's your ego that's holding you back from making that decision. It's that, uh, it's that comfortability. It's that that idea that what you're doing again is the best and that, it, it, you know, uh, nothing needs to change and it's everything else or the environment around you that's keeping you back or not getting you what you want to be. Mm -hmm. um, so with all that being said, ego, I know is something that you like to talk a lot about. This is going to be, it's, it's kind of a subjective term at some level, right? Like there's a lot of ways to interpret ego. We're going to do our best to break it down here. Um, I by no means feel like I am super qualified to give like my a dissertation on ego and all the branches of it and everything. But I do feel like it's our responsibility to have some conversations around it so we can build awareness around it for some people. Because I know it's something that I've kind of identified and acknowledged with the help of books, my own personal development, surrounding myself with uh, people even like yourself. 
And it's just, it's, it's a very enlightening experience if you let it be, but you have to acknowledge that it exists in the first place. And if somebody sits here today thinking like, oh shit, maybe I do have a fucking fat ass ego that's preventing me from doing X, Y, and Z. And that's the impetus for you to make a change or for you to start working on that and doing some more personal development. Like, I think that's the benefit that can come from here. But I, I, personally can't sit here and say I'm an expert in this subject. I know you probably feel the same way, but you bet your ass that we have some opinions on it. And Mm -hmm. that's what we do because this is our podcast and we get to talk all the (laughs) shit that we want about it. So (laughs) with all that being said, take it where you want to go, but just with this idea of like, what is ego and what can we kind of like, you know, identify, um, from that in, in terms of our own lives and, and everything that we have going on. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you said that we you and I can't even agree on what it is. And that seems to be a theme that, that even the world's greatest psychologists can never agree on what it is. I mean, if you, if you look at somebody like Eckhart Tolle and you read his book, The Power Now, it's an awesome book, but he just talks about how bad the ego is. And, and obviously that's oversimplifying it, but in his mind, it's kind of a bad thing. It's an illusion. It's this fake temporary sense of like identity. It lives in just the past and the future and the way out of it is in the present moment. And that's the way to transcend the ego. But if you look at somebody like Jung, he'll say that the ego is like your center of consciousness. It's essential for life. It's it's uh, encompasses all this self-awareness and your memories and just who you are. And so you can do all this different research and you can find a whole bunch of different definitions. But the way I like to think about it is not in the sense of having to transcend it or get above it. It's just acknowledging that it does exist. I, I, I like to think of the ego as like, you know, you call... You call all this energy out in the ether, God or source or whatever you want to call it. And I think it's just all that energy narrowed down into your individual experience. It is narrowed into the experience that is you. So it's part of you. It's, it's not everything that you are, which I think is also important to acknowledge, but it is there. And I think you can tie it into the central nervous system, which we touched on before. And you can use those kind of interchangeably and they're slightly different at the same time, but in a sense, when you're making a change, whatever that voice is that tells you like, okay, I'm the best at this or I'm the worst at this. I, I think that is where the ego lives. And that's also your central nervous system as well because you're trying to stay safe. You know, your, your central nervous system or your ego, whichever term you want to use, it's trying to keep you safe and change is scary. And so it can get caught in this trap where you don't want to make a change or you do want to make a change because you have this overinflated sense of self. And I'll get into in a second what I think that part of it is. Or when you think of like ego lifting, you know, I don't think that's really just the ego. I think there are other factors at play here too. But yeah, I think just to start, it's it's just a part of you, you know, and, and it's, we need somewhere where our memories are stored and where our self-awareness is and where our focus is narrowed down into. So, so that's kind of how I like to think about it, not making it bad or good, but just that it is. So I think that's a really important step and into integrating everything that you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're not aware of it, cause it's, it's hard to have this, you know, dichotomous style of thinking of good and bad just like with anything that we ever talk about on the podcast like this idea that hey something is and it's it's what we um, perceive it to be that can either make it good or bad and I think ego at the end of the day is something that we all have within us Um, and and again you can see people you probably all know people in your lives who are egomaniacs who are narcissists at some level who again just like have this uh this um, this way that they hold themselves that 
they think they're the best. And, and, and unfortunately, sometimes when people refuse to acknowledge that that exists or that that is a problem that they might have, like that's when that can get them into trouble. It's when it can ruin relationships or it's when it can get you injured in the gym, as you alluded to, of like ego lifting and lifting heavier with poor form or doing too much because you think you're capable of it. And that's when things can get dangerous for you. That's when you can break relationships again, right? Like that's when we see in history, a lot of the rise and fall of even like, um, great historians and all the, you know, the, uh, great rulers and people getting greedy. It's like ego is usually the thing that drives that. And it's their lack of acknowledgement that their ego is the thing that is like dictating all their decision-making is when kind of things can become bad. If we're talking about, is it good or bad? Right. And, and we're not sitting here saying that you should, that it's possible to completely absolve your ego by any means. Um, nor is it possible to completely diminish it in all of these, um, different types of situations. And I think there could be some good benefit from having a, an ego at some level, but using it controlling. And, and for me, ego is just, it's kind of like, um, it, it's really coming down to like telling yourself a story that rounds the edges almost like refuses to acknowledge the other things that might not be as good. Right. Um, people who have really, you know, um, big egos, can sometimes be just really like dangerously focused on themselves and just have little regard for anything or anybody else out there, right? And will do anything at anyone else's expense for their further gain, right? It's kind of this like unhealthy belief in someone's own importance. It can be arrogance. It can be people being self-centered, right? Like all of these things that as you accumulate over time, um, can get in the way of people's growth and personal development because people can eventually get to this point where they have an unwillingness to learn or to continue to try and get better. And that happens at their own expense. So um, I don't know if that makes sense. It's just uh, something that comes to my mind when I see um, people talking about is ego good or bad? Like, again, I think it's all, it's all comes down to the definition that you give it and how you apply it to your life. But of course it can be used for bad if not acknowledged, if let, you know, if people let it get to a certain point where they're using it for more self-destruction and destruction of others. Um, and that's just stuff that I've seen, things that I've read, um, all experiences that we could see other people, famous people go through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me because those are usually the people who are the most fragile in my opinion, right? Mm. Or the smallest disruptions can just physically break them, oh, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that could be the reason that, uh, someone has a downfall or a CEO has to be exited out of a company or people refuse to stop talking to somebody, right? Like those, those things, it, it's just, um, it's just kind of a domino effect that people can get themselves into. Um, obviously it can help you get to a good point, but it can help you get to a really terrible point. So you have to learn how to management, manage it correctly and acknowledge it. Um, which is something that not a lot of people do. Yeah. And especially not a lot of people that are to steal another term from young are, integrating their own shadow and and young was all about total personal integration and that includes the shadow sides of yourself and so another way to think about ego is is just like you said it's the center of self okay it is it's of course it's focused on you you are your own person so that self-awareness is going to be focused on something and that something is you so it, again it's not bad or good it just is but when people get in trouble i think and when people when we think of people as being super egocentric or narcissistic or whatever, they are not 
integrating the shadow sides of them and they're only looking at that sense of self that they like or that they want more of. But that usually leads, you know, you've heard the term the pride before the fall, that usually leads to a bigger fall. Whether that's trying to push too much weight and then you get hurt or your whole psyche is broken if life circumstances happen, you're injured, you can't work out as much as you want and you lose your six pack. You know, I I I struggle with that as well myself. Like when I travel and and when I don't feel like the version of myself that I, I, I think I should feel like. I mean, that's that's all shadow stuff right there. So super simple introduction to shadow work because we can get into like some really deep stuff here and everybody's got their own shit. So we're not gonna go really deep with this because that takes, you know, trained <laughs> professionals. But this is why I love meditation as much as I do because meditation is just about awareness and that's where shadow work starts. It's being aware of the things that you're running from or that you're resisting or that you don't like about yourself. Like it's okay to have those things and everybody has those things. Like I don't really want to meet a person who is completely just so happy all the time and has nothing to work on and has nothing that they want to change or have worked through. Like those people are boring. I want the rounded or the the rough edges of people, you know? Like those are the those are the connections that we make. So awareness is the first part of shadow work and I think about just just identifying the ego. Okay, like think about why you're lifting in the first place. Why are you exercising? Why do you want to get on a nutrition plan? If it's just to be healthier, okay, great. But I think most people, including myself and and probably you at different points or if not right now, there's stuff under the surface going on there and there's shadow stuff to work out. Like I don't want to feel unhealthy. That's, that's a shadow side right here. I don't want to be weak. Okay. And if I look at myself as weak, all right, yeah, that's some shadow stuff. Maybe, maybe you have some insecurities about that, but it's important just to start to be aware of those things and shadow work 101, just sit with them, identify it and just sit with them. Just feel that emotion completely. That's getting into your higher feminine side, which we talked about last time. Just feel whatever you're feeling in the moment. Stop running from it. And usually those tough emotions tend to pass more quickly anyway once you start running from it. Like I can't, I can't tell you the amount of times I've sat down for meditation and I've had something really tough on my mind, but I expect it to last hours. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Like I'm strapping in for the long haul and... I sit down and I stop resisting it and I stop pushing against it. And in a couple minutes, I feel better, you know, and it's so crazy to think about. But a lot of times it's the pushing away that is keeping it there. And those are the types of people we think as more egocentric and more ego driven. Let's just be integrated human beings, you know, male, female, whatever gender you identify. Let's be an integrated version of yourself. Just human being, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. And I. The follow-up question that I'll ask that Mm -hmm. I personally don't know the answer to, and I don't expect you to either, is once we acknowledge that something is there, like how do we go about trying to change that or to do things? Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up meditation. I think that's Mm -hmm. an incredible example because for me, like when I think of some of these things, um, you bring up the shadow and yeah, the power now, like all these different books that talk about ego, like man, they're kind of a mind fuck, especially Mm -hmm. coming from... Uh, if, if you're in this uh, weird space where, you know, you're just on the, the tip of the iceberg with like thinking about ego and how that pertains to your life and you read something, it could be like mind shattering for some people. Mm-hmm. And we don't always need those experiences to make a positive change off of that. That's not, I don't think what we're trying to get across here. But I think what we are trying to say, at least me, is 
there's a real big balancing act between the two. And there's always this constant battle between feeding your ego and feeding into those things that can build up your ego versus the other side, which is opposing it or challenging it or, um, you know, being a little bit more humble or doing things that can make you, um, um, you know, maybe have a little bit more impulse control from, if I'm thinking about it. Right. And, uh, I think what you mentioned, like sitting with your feelings can be really important and, and you don't have to meditate to do that. We're biased. We do that probably daily. I know you did that for like two years straight or something insane like that, mm-hmm. but actually sitting in those emotions and not always trying to run away from those things, especially, um, especially sitting in those uncomfortable emotions, I think could be a start of acknowledging that, hey, these things do exist and they do enter my life at certain moments, right? And sitting in in the shit, so to speak, can be also another awareness building kind of exercise that we can sit here and do. Um, again, doesn't even have to be in the form of journaling. It doesn't have to be in the form of fucking meditating or you just looking at a wall and staring into space for 10 minutes. Like there's a lot of different ways that we could just have some external stimulus come in or something uh, that's thought provoking and you typing it out on your phone, sitting there and internalizing it and thinking about um, having a conversation with yourself and why questioning why you feel these certain ways or why you always need to make a a change when something like this happens. Um, That's kind of where my head is at, at least with like, how can we start to act on on some of these things? But I just find that it's this balancing act that can be very difficult. And unfortunately, over time, a lot of people just find themselves feeding their ego year after year decade after decade until they get to the point where there's a breaking point or some traumatic life event happens or something forces them to think about it when in reality we have all the power within us right now to be somewhat proactive about changing these things and just changing the trajectory of the way we think and the way we act and how we hold ourselves to the people around us and and everything else that go, goes along with that. So I don't know if that makes sense at all, but you can say what you think on any of that. I know yeah. I asked you a question and just answered it myself, but um, <laughs> yeah. tell me what comes to mind, if anything, for you. It's moving forward with awareness. It's, it's kind of like a, a marketing rebrand when, when a brand just completely reinvents itself, but it's the same exact fucking product. Okay, that's what I think can be really helpful to start with. So, of course, meditation can help. That's That's a a space where you give yourself and you're, you're, you cut out all distractions, okay? Your mind's probably going to wander, but you cut out all external distractions for the most part. But it doesn't stop there. Like, that, that's really just the start of this awareness. So then what I think is helpful throughout the day, whatever you're doing, okay, here's where the marketing rebrand comes in. Let's say you're cooking. You're not just cooking anymore. You're cooking with awareness. You are cooking with those feelings. You're working out with those feelings. You're going for a run with those feelings doing yoga, whatever, taking uh, your dog for a walk. You're doing all of that with those feelings instead of just doing that, if that makes sense. And again, not that those feelings are always going to be there, but it's moving forward, taking action. You know, And you can even talk to that little part of yourself. Let's say there's a part of myself that feels insecure or that doesn't want to go to the gym because I don't feel healthy and I, I'm just feeling stuck in that cycle again. Okay, I recognize that part of myself. And I just ask it, all right, hey, I see you. You're right there. Do you want to come to the gym with me? Let's go to the gym. You know, do your action steps anyway, even when you're feeling those things. I think that can be super helpful. Another thing is is not trying to be perfect. Like, don't, like, this is lifelong work here, you know, and and that's what what you talk about with nutrition. That's what I talk about with fitness. It's, it's, I'm going to sound so hipster, but like, it's a lifestyle, okay? So, 
you're doing this work for the rest of your life. You're never going to be done. You're never going to be complete. You're never going to be perfect. So stop trying to be perfect in this moment. I think those are just the two things that come to mind as far as taking action. And then if you want some more awareness with regard to what's really going on, I love this exercise called following the trail of whys. And basically you just keep asking yourself why you want the goal that you have. And a lot of times that leads to deeper and deeper and deeper goals. And those are the ones I think you want to follow. So let's say somebody has back pain. Okay. Why do I want to get out of back pain? Because it won't hurt anymore. Okay. That's a pretty good example, but let's go a little deeper. Why do I want to be out of pain? Maybe so I can play with my children or my grandchildren. Okay. That's a good goal too. Why do I want to be able to play with my grandchildren? So I feel vital. So I feel alive. So I feel like I can do things and I feel a sense of freedom. Boom. That is the deep, deeper or overarching goal right there. However you want to look at it, but not that any of those other goals are bad, but just be open to exploring a little bit more. You know, why do I, why do I want a six pack? Why do I want to fit into a certain size bikini? Those things are completely fine, but just as long as you understand the reason behind them. And a lot of times, once you really start to understand the reason behind them, you don't have those strong feelings, you don't have that resistance level, and your body probably naturally finds its its best weight, its best muscle tone anyway, and you feel just a lot better in the process. So yeah, hopefully that was kind of a long-winded answer, but I, I felt like it was worth it on that one. Yeah, thank you for that. It makes total sense to me. And just kind of... Um taking a step back and thinking big picture here and we keep talking about this word awareness but that's really that's really the most important step here because without that nothing can change um but with that you can start to be inquisitive and like eric said you can ask the five whys and you can start to like just dive a little bit deeper into some of these things and that's where change can happen but really that's going to look different for every single person. It's going to look different for me, for Eric, for the person listening to this podcast. There's always going to be different uh, uh, confounding variables that are going to be input to this you know, equation that people are you know, trying to change themselves and um, what their purpose are and what makes them happy and how they you know, uh, live their lives and what they deem is important. So all of these things being said, it's, it's hard to sit up here and just say that, yeah, this is like a one size fits all on how to cure your ego and how to, you know, dumb it down a little bit so you can live a life that's more, uh, um, you know, happy and fulfilled and like less stressed in some levels, but it's going to look different for everybody. And I'm happy you brought up like, happy you brought up the rebranding thing. Cause I see that a lot and I didn't really internalize that or think too much about it. Sometimes when you see these things happen across your lifespan, um, but they're relevant and they're really important, you know? And I think, I think seeing other people go through some of this shit is sometimes the things that can really help us appreciate what, you know, what might be similar or what might be different if something needs to change as we apply other things into our situation. Marketing, re- rebranding, marketing things I think of as something as simple as like round table pizza, you know? Like I think it was a few, year or two years ago, however long it was. They completely changed their color scheme, the inside of their restaurants, like nothing changed on the menu. Mm -hmm. I don't think nothing changed of what they offered, but the way they talked, the way they presented themselves, like all of that change. And, and I imagine it took a real like push from like upper management and, and, and even this industry that's very competitive, right? Like commercial pizza kitchens across the country is fucking crazy right but it took a lot of courage i imagine for somebody to be like we're going to completely revamp all of our things right Mm -hmm. then you compare that to companies like fucking sears or kmart's or something (laughs) like that that refuse to like 
evolve with time, that refuse to go online, that refuse to kind of like keep up with the pace of things. And now you have companies like Amazon and all this other stuff, right? So with all that being said, there's so many examples that I think that we can draw from and apply that to our lives. Now, you know, personally, I don't know how much I can resonate with Sears going out of business and how I can apply that to my life. But for me, and this is where like the individual piece comes in is like these things are around you and whatever you care about, whatever thing you're into music, sports, you know, um, business, like there's so many examples of how ego can be, um, the driving force of a business or the destroying force behind a business. Mm -hmm. And when I think of things, at least with ego stuff that I feel like a lot of people know about when it comes to sports, at least, or things like, um, some of my favorite athletes that I have of like, thinking about LeBron, right? And how his upcoming, how he's always on the cover of magazines. He was the chosen one at like 12 years old, right? All this hype. He still has an ego. Let's be real, right? But but seeing something, and I didn't think about this in the moment, but just reflecting on things like this in the past of like getting to a point where he's a free agent and he can pick, I'm going to go back and just be a one-man show in Cleveland and try and do my thing there. Or at some level, kind of like dropping his ego at some sense in making the choice to like team up with other superstars and honestly changing the whole trajectory of the NBA and how they operate business. But saying like, hey, I can't do this on my own and I need help and I, mm-hmm. I have a situation that could fit, just better fit my situation right now and get me to an end goal that I'm shooting for. To me, like that's really admirable, right? And then how his career transpired from there. Another example is like, fucking tiger woods right Mm -hmm. um i think i think i think he is somebody that's a great example too because he was the best at his craft and will be the best golfer and maybe best athlete at what they did all time and seeing how he kind of responded and how he fell into the trap of all of these things that somewhat ended his career abruptly um I think what I'm trying to say here is that there's a lot of people that we can look up to or things that we could look, look up to who are idolized for their behavior. Um, a lot of things that we see in other people that we think like, oh, they're egomaniacs, like they only care about themselves. They're psychopaths at some level. And we think in order to be successful that we need to do the exact same, right? And really successful people, at least from what I've experienced, especially with big egos, right? They, they're a lot of times associated with things like addiction and depression and, you know, um, physical abuse of other people in their life or of the, of themselves. Um, even like mania or manic episodes, right? Like people are literally psychotic. And I think a lot of times we see the success that a lot of these people have and we associate that with like, oh, they're just so passionate and driven and their their egos are really high and like that's what it takes to be the best at whatever it is that I'm doing. And, you know, a lot of times, at least what I've noticed and some trends that we can also see is that, you know, people in the media, people in sports, celebrities, whoever it is, like a lot of times they do their best work when they fought against their egos or when something happened and they fought against some of those impulse controls. I mean, Mm -hmm. things that I can think about are like even Michael Jordan, right? If we think about somebody who was the best at his craft, decided to go play fucking single A baseball Mm -hmm. or something for two years, double A, double A baseball. And like, Step, of course, this is a very broad example. I think his dad passed away and there were some other things that happened that probably drove him away from basketball. But then, you know, thinking he could go make it as a professional baseball player and then he comes back and wins three championships or whatever, <laughs> right? Or even like Kobe Bryant, who, you know, very, very uh, <laughs> intense as we could say the <laughs> least. But like 
sharing and, and, and getting to a place where he needs Shaq to win a championship or two, right? And playing with Pau Gasol and some of these other really cool teams. Um, also, his ego likely being the thing that brought those dynasties to a close at some level, right? Like running Shaq out of town because he wanted to be the star. Um, there's all these different examples, but I just, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. I just think there's so many examples, things that I see in my life that you could apply to singers, you know, musicians, um, successful politicians, people who, um, uh, you know, like the Hitlers and the Napoleons and all these motherfuckers out there that did some pretty crazy wild shit. Um, there's just so many repeating trends and behaviors that I've seen over time. And the point I'm driving at is like, I think a lot of times we can use other people as example and try to apply that to our life or realize how things can play out at a really high level and then start to maybe, you know, um, knock that down and apply it to our own individual situation. Cause Eric and I, we're not Kobe and Shaq sitting here. We're not acting like it, but you bet your ass that we can learn from some of those experiences and, and things as, as, um, you know, history can, tends to repeat itself, but as we continue to learn from past things and mistakes, but I think ego is so involved in everybody's success and everybody's continued success or downfalls at some level. And that's something that comes to mind for me when it comes to like how we can use these things as actionable, actionable steps to make changes off mm-hmm. of, you know? I love that. And I want to get back to Tiger in a second because this goes into a lot of how ego is tied in with validation and like where are we getting validation from. But I love that you said, okay, so some of these, the most successful athletes of all time, they've had these insane egos, these insane work ethics. And we don't have to be at that point in order to make healthy decisions in our lives and in order to become a healthier version of yourself. So don't think that you have to do that. I mean, I heard a story about Kobe where his, his teammates were out partying one night and he goes out and parties with them until, you know, like two, three in the morning. Then that same morning he knocks on their door and he's like, guess what motherfuckers, we're going to go practice right now. Like I lived in your world and now you have to live in mine, you know, on, on one or two hours of sleep because that was just how relentless he is. And that was how relentless Michael is and LeBron is, but we can learn from that for sure. You don't have to be right there, but same thing with Goggins too. I, I, I see, you know, a lot of David Goggins motivational content and okay, that's extreme. But at the same time, that's helped a lot of people. So it might be worth it to try to explore that and to be like, okay, can I do that for a week just to see? You know, I, I, I don't like things like 75 hard and all these super extreme examples of like, you have to kill your inner bitch and just any cliche quote you want to throw in there. But like, you can explore it for sure. There's nothing wrong with that. But it comes back to that awareness. Okay, am I doing this because I feel like I have a super strong inner bitch or I feel like a bitch and I want to toughen up and harden up against that? Or am I doing this from a more integrated place of like, hey, let's just see how this goes. You know, maybe I enjoy waking up early and I've never done that before. Like, all right, cool. But don't think it's it's like you have to make this huge fundamental change or you have to act exactly like those super high level one-off examples in order to be the best version of yourself. And same thing with Tiger too. I mean, have you seen the, the Tiger documentary? No, on, I don't okay, think so. Okay, you should watch it. It's it's amazing because it goes into like his dad basically trained him to be an insane, the insane golfer that he was like from childhood. Like his, his, he and his dad would go golfing and his dad would be fucking around with his keys when he's in his backswing and like purposely talking. He, he turned him into a robot basically. But we come back to this idea of ego and integration 
And you talk about a guy who did not integrate his shadow, probably didn't even know what a shadow was, and especially in terms of sexual validation and where he's getting that from. And, and he, he grows up without a normal childhood, you know, wasn't allowed to like date certain girls or go to prom or, you know, was shamed for that in his childhood. Then guess what? You're partying with Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley in Vegas and you're getting all of this attention and a lot of feminine attention for the first time in your life. You're allowed to have that for the first time in your life. Yeah, that's not a good recipe. I mean, same with a lot of musicians, uh, artists, rock stars of any kind. It's these people who weren't given the tools to learn about their shadow and damn sure didn't integrate it. So then once they get all that success thrown at them, it's no wonder a lot of them turn to drugs because they're trying to just, they have all this chaos around them. They're just trying to narrow this focus and get a couple moments of peace. And unfortunately with, with drugs, that turns into a shorter and shorter time period of peace. And you know, you need more of it, but I think that goes into validation too. And ego and validation are very, very interconnected because your ego likes validation. And I'm going to propose a little bit of a twist on that as well as like last podcast, we talked about masculine and feminine energy, which is a subject that I just love and I'm fascinated with. And I've studied it with other people, with myself, my own inner workings of my mind and, and everything in between. So I kind of think what people think of ego lifting, for example, since this is a, a fitness podcast or just being super egomaniacs in general, they basically have a high, have a, a very strong feminine side and they're not used to validating that feminine side themselves. So again, from last time, masculine energy is just in this one model of looking at the world for sure. But in this model, masculine energy is validated internally. Like you have a goal, you go after it and you know you're doing what you can to achieve that goal. Like that feels good. You don't need any recognition. Feminine energy is validated externally. Like it feels good to be loved. We are social creatures. We all have masculine and feminine energy and it feels great to connect with other people. It feels great to get accolades and to get appreciation and acknowledgement. And both, however you identify gender-wise, we each have these two poles within us. So like, yeah, I have a super strong feminine side and that feels amazing, but that's validated externally. And that's what a lot of egotistical people I find are trying to replicate. They're, they're trying to obtain from somewhere outside of themselves. Like, why do you think those, those gym bros who are just on roids and you can tell, and it's not even like they look good with the roids too. It's like, it's very obvious they're on roids. But why do you think they keep doing it? Because they like the feeling of validation that they get or that they infer from other people. And which is funny because a lot of gym bros you think are just the most masculine guys in the gym, but no, they're just, they have a super strong feminine side. They have not learned how to integrate and get from healthy connections in life. So a lot of times I think what people can identify is, or, or what people identify as ego is really just a super, super strong feminine side. And they're trying to validate that outside of themselves and they're looking for constantly outside of themselves. So that's once I started looking at things that way, it helped me integrate things a lot more because then I'm like, okay, how can I nurture my own feminine side? Or can I connect with friends in a healthy way? Can I pick up the phone and call my buddy, you know, across the country who I haven't talked to since college, you know, just anything like that. We can do another podcast about that sometime of how to validate that. But are you, are you taking care of your own inner feminine side? I think is, is the biggest point there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I love all that too. And it's, uh, you bring up a few really good points. Um, the validation piece being one of them and how that's such an integral part of 
feeding the ego and constantly building on that over time is going back to tiger and some of these other musicians and whoever else, you know, there is out there. Like there really is a cost to a lot of these things and to having a lot of success at some level or getting your success from being, you know, uh, I use the word light, uh, psychotic lightly here, but like mm-hmm. is being so zoned in and focused and, and having your blinders on for so long that you refuse to acknowledge that there's anything else in your life that, <laughs> that is going on around you. Right. And there's just, there's a lot of things that can come from that. You mentioned like the, you know, infidelity piece of tiger's career. Right. And even the substance abuse of it, that kind of came alongside with that after the fact and putting himself in positions where he's getting in car accidents. Like, again, that's a very extreme example, but fuck man, who's to say that that wouldn't happen to me or you, if that was how we grew up and that's all we knew. And we never challenged, (laughs) we never challenged these things or had these conversations growing up. Right. And so I think, um, I just think there's a lot to, to, to be acknowledged here, but when you have somebody that's been, you know, told they're the best their whole life and then they do become really great at something and they get constant validation for that, or even if relating it to social media, right. You see all these kind of fitness influencers and people who are maybe doing it, doing it for the right reason, doing it for the wrong reason, who are super self, you know, self-conscious, who are abusing steroids and performance enhancing drugs and editing their photos all for likes and attention to, to drive their ego, to drive their followers, to drive the revenue that they're making, man, it's just, Ego is not, is not the secret to being successful is what I've found in this pursuit. And I think there's something really humbling in just like um, this whole like form of radical acceptance that can be really enlightening for some people. But just what controlling and like reducing your ego can do for you is just help people feel less important and feeling less of themselves or thinking less than themselves. And just um, keeping people from getting in their own way in future situations or in their career or with their own, you know, fitness and health pursuits, like just feeling less important sounds scary as fuck. It sounds like it would be counterproductive or, you know, counterintuitive, but that's usually the thing that can help get people to where they want to be or to sustain the results that they want to, you know, sustain or get to a place where they feel happy with the success that they've made and be content with that and not always feel like they're chasing something else or comparing their, their, their success to somebody else's. And when I say ego can kind of get, you know, in the way of what it means to fill out your life's purpose or to actually be happy or to be content, I think Gary Vee does a really good job of this. Somebody I follow who is just a big advocate for like, not giving a fuck what other people have to say, not needing validation for everything that you do and actually following through with the things that really make you happy instead of doing the things you think that are going to make you happy um, or doing things for validation and, and doing the things to please other people or to, or to please your parents because that's what they want for you. Um, the examples are endless here, but man, I just agree. This whole masculine feminine energy, this whole like pursuit of being great, like um, always wanting to get validation. Like there's always this constant battle that you will have with yourself for the rest of your life. And if you, if you can't acknowledge that ego is a huge part of that, man, you're probably going to be playing this game at a harder level and and you're not going to be actually aware of these things. And that might prevent you from getting to a place again, where you're actually happy instead of this you know, vague place that you think is going to make you happy one day. So I'd say it helps you enjoy the success more anyway. You know, if you're, if you're addicted to dopamine hits and you're doing this 
for that external validation. So every picture you post, you're wearing maybe a little bit less and less clothing or you're Photoshopping your delts to be even bigger. You know, it's like, okay, if you get more likes on that, what's the chances you're actually enjoying that? What's the take chances you're taking a step back and being like, oh, sick, that got like 50 more likes than normal. You know, you're, you're stuck in this cycle and you're gonna need more and more next time. But I think doing this integration work and being aware of the part of you that is focused on just yourself, I think that can help you enjoy success more anyway because you reset your your dopamine receptors and your, your whole dopamine feedback loop and the way that your brain produces dopamine. So I think resetting that can help you enjoy the successes more and chances are you'll get healthier habits if you connect with the right people, not the people that are just boosting your ego. Those are more sustainable moments anyway and, I, and, and those are more heartfelt moments if you can enjoy with the people that you love and that love you for the right reasons instead of like just because your muscles are so big yeah yeah and that's a great example of just relating it to like the normal people i would classify you and i as normal people mm -hmm. too um because there's a lot of situations that our health our body image our nutrition how we feel about ourselves how we talk about ourselves can be influenced by our ego and what we perceive to be you know, important to us and our, our identity at some level, right? And for example, let's say there's a, a younger girl in her 20s or 30s and, you know, she's sitting here and she's afraid to like go on a bachelorette party or to be around the family in a swimsuit. Um, and every time she's around that, all she's thinking about is, do I look the hottest in my bikini? Right. Or do I, do I meet the criteria of what the other people around me think I should look like, or do I fit the mold of what everyone else is doing around me? And, and all those things, again, going back to your point of like actually taking away from all the experiences that we yep. get to have, all the amazing yep. things that we get to do that life has to offer. A lot of these things are honestly destroyed because we're constantly thinking about, all these other things that is most likely your ego talking at some level, right? And if you're sitting here thinking that you have to sit and hang out with these other people and think these certain ways um, and that you have to be super hot and sexy and like super lean and starve yourself for two months so you can fit in with these other friends because you think that that's what they appreciate about you or they want you to look like when they post a picture to their Instagram, mm -hmm. like one, you have to audit the fucking people that you're hanging yourself, you're, you're uh, hanging out with, right? Um, Cause if you're hanging around with those people and they're making you think that way, or they're forcing you to do some of those things, whether they say it or not, that's how you act around that. Those are probably people that you don't need or shouldn't have in your life and, and really doing a fact check on yourself and seeing if they're giving you, you know, a sense of purpose could be also an enlightening experience. But same with like going back to Photoshop, Instagram, you see these people who follow these bodybuilders and whatever who at maybe edit their photos and then they go into the gym and they've made substantial progress. Maybe they start working with Eric and they're leaner, they're more athletic, they're faster, they start feeling better, they have more energy but there's that thought in their mind of like, damn, I can't see the striations in my front delt yet. <laughs> so I'm not going to be super happy yet, right? Like there's still, I'm comparing myself to this bodybuilder or something who, who I think is the epitome of health. And then before you know it, that whole experience is dumbed down and, and you don't get to enjoy that as much as maybe you should or you, you know, you could. So there's all these little examples in our life where ego can really be in the driver's seat and can make you have a less fucking fun life. And, and that's what we're after here for is like living in a body that we enjoy while also living a lifestyle that we enjoy. And a lot of times those things are mutually exclusive because our ego 
tends to override the other pleasures and the simple things that we can appreciate more frequently. That's where I love Eckhart Tolle's work when he talks about being in the present and the ego really living in the past or future. If you think about why, again, coming, coming back to why you want some of these things, it's usually a past or a past like thing you want to change about yourself or to alter a time that I didn't feel really confident or I wasn't happy or you're going into the future. You know, you're running from the past or you're trying to live in the future moment. And, and let's go back to that bachelorette trip example. Like you're not actually enjoying just being there with your friends. And in the present moment, I think is where you can find a break from a lot of that and just feeling what's going on around you and just experiencing it and just being there in that moment for no other reason than just this is a lot of fun right here. And and that's why we train and we eat healthy Anyway, it's it's it, like the future never actually comes. It's just a string of present moments. So <laughs> there's no actual like, yeah, you can say there's a future that I'm training for. But once you get to that future, you're going to be in the present moment. So practicing mindfulness and practicing being in the present can just really help you enjoy and experience all the little nuances of every single moment. Yeah. Like we could just kind of talk about this shit for the next yeah. <laughs> 48 hours if we had to. But um I kind of want to end this conversation at least on what are resources that people can look to if they're curious about exploring this or having some different reading material. You've mentioned a few authors. The one that sticks out to me that uh, is more like a stoic philosophy is uh, author Ryan Holiday. He has a handful of books. Yep. Um, he wrote something called Ego is the Enemy that I read a year or two ago that really stuck with me. This conversation is probably going to want me to read that book again. But he has a handful of books like The Obstacle is the Way, Stillness is Key, just a lot of really cool things that, as you're alluding to, that can help you live in the moment, become aware of some of these things. Those are resources that really help me. What, what would you say if someone's sitting here like, damn, I want to read more about this or learn more about this? Is there other things that come to mind for you? I know you mentioned, I think the power is now. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Eckhart Tolle, power of now. I would say David Data as well, uh, The Way of the Superior Man and a lot of his other things. Even if, even if you don't identify as a man, it's good because he just talks about those polarities, the masculine and feminine energy. Robert Glover is another one that I absolutely love. And he gets more into just men's work, but you can still get a sense of you know, how you can apply this as a woman or however you identify. The other one too, I just read, it's a guy named Christopher Wallace. And this book is called sipping fear and pissing confidence and it's about addiction and that goes into like the the that's like the first half of the book but the second half is how to develop confidence that actually sticks and he goes into a lot of the dopamine adrenaline cycle in your brain and how to break that because a lot of us we're addicted to dopamine you know whether it's trying to get likes because then we'll feel that dopamine or or we're trying to get compliments or just scrolling on our phones or TikTok and Instagram and stuff. So he talks about how to break that addiction and how to actually cultivate sustaining confidence. Um, but again, yeah, Eckhart totally love him. Uh, off the top of my head, I really like, I really like Timothy Galway as well. And he wrote the inner game of tennis and the inner game of golf. And then a whole bunch of different things that spin off of those two books. But he talks a lot about awareness and those books are really like he was a tennis pro for a long time. So he talked about how to help people find their own authentic tennis swing or their own authentic golf swing and how 
smart their body is and letting them figure it out for themselves. But you can apply that to a whole bunch of different things. So those are definitely a little bit out there in terms of like, quote unquote, self-help books. But I think going into, if you're, if you're interested in awareness, that is probably the best start right there because he talks about what happens when you do tap into your own awareness and especially non-judgmentally, your body and your brain figure out the best way to do things. So that doesn't apply to just golf or tennis, but I would start with those right there. And I, I just absolutely love those. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think there's a lot of resources that you could find a lot of them that we probably haven't listed as well. And, um, just to kind of play both sides here too, you know, I'd, I'd almost encourage people at some level, if you're really curious about this is exploring the opposite end of the spectrum the other extreme we talked about david goggins earlier he has like fucking five books i bet Mm -hmm. can't break me or stay hard or whatever his slogan is like like sometimes reading these other books where they really open up the box they really Mm -hmm. challenge the other side they really it's kind of like politics at some level like they really open a different world of thinking to you expose you to something different and then reading the other point of view at least this is something that i found that has helped me is you can start to differentiate between the two and really start to apply the things that you think you need in your life. But sometimes you don't always get the full picture if you're only reading one side of things. And that's where I think if you're somebody that's read all the personal development books, all the get hard books, all the David Goggins shit, you follow all these motivated motivational people online and you've never experimented on the other side and have really questioned the messages and the things that other people have to say, I think taking time to read both sides and then you deciding for yourself what you need, what, what areas in your life need more attention than others. And that could be a really powerful experience too. And, um, yeah, yeah. I bring that up because we can always get into these mindsets where something's fascinating. We read a lot about it and then we become that. And then we tell other people about it It happens in fitness. It happens in diet, crossfitters, intermittent fasters. It happens with mindset people. Um, there's just a plethora of ways to approach these things. But the goal of this podcast always, you know, especially getting Eric on this show as well is like coming back to a place of neutrality and being an informed decision maker and and making confident decisions for yourself instead of letting other things always make decisions for you. So that's just something I would add on to that. But as you can tell, this shit could take fucking years, you know? So it isn't something that you'll read all these books in a month and be an expert on ego come March 1st, right? This might be the next five years of your life off and on you're exploring. And that might be the difference between you being happy as fuck at age 40 or being miserable and constantly always chasing something different and something of what you perceive to be, um, you know, the epitome of success in a reality. That's just, that's just no way to live in my opinion. I love that. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that I obviously love self-help and I love reading about different theories. I, I love just theory in general. So I have to check myself sometimes and that's why I got into polar plunging because that's something that, that the, like the, those obnoxious entrepreneurial types you see on TikTok that are like, okay, 4 a.m., I get up, I read a, I, I listen to an audio book on like 4X speed, and then I get into a polar plunge thing. And it, okay, it's, it's, it's completely obnoxious and ridiculous, but I took a page out of their book and did that just to do something hard. And I feel a lot better about myself. And I, I learned a lot about myself. I have a video on my Instagram that talks about like, that helped me to learn how to process emotions because once you get into that cold water, if you brace against it and you fight that cold, it's going to suck even more. 
But instead, if just like when I'm dealing with a hard emotion, if I just try to sit with it and I try to relax into that cold water, it doesn't feel as cold and I drop a little bit more quickly into that feeling of like, oh, wow, this is good. So I need to take a to take a page out of their book sometimes. And because I get too wrapped up in the theory and I don't take any action. You know, that's that's one of my pitfalls. But again, talking about the shadow and talk about integrating yourself, that's when I feel the most integrated. When I do a little bit of theory stuff, I take some action, I go in between. But again, coming back to neutrality, it's finding what you need. Like I need, coming back to the masculine feminine dynamic, like I have a super strong feminine side. And I need to get into my masculine more by going hiking or going out on an excursion or polar plunging or just sitting down and working on my business for an hour, two hours, three hours at a time. Like I feel better, but then there are other times when I don't need that. So it's, it's being aware of what you're needing in the moment and what is really going to nourish your entire being. I love that. Yep. Sometimes just more exposure can be better. Mm -hmm. So you got to acknowledge a point in your life where maybe more isn't better, you know, and like, being on information gathering mode eventually turns to fucking living mode and being able to feel confident with your decisions that you make. So mm. yeah, there's a lot. I mean, give it to leave it to us 55, 56 minutes. And uh, <laughs> we only talked about one thing. So kudos to us. I am um, the last thing I had on here. And, and I think you have a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. I want to spend like, I want to spend like 15 minutes just talking about new year's resolutions. Cause that's yeah. definitely relevant It's January 3rd. Honestly, it could be relevant to any time someone listens to this as well, but it's just uh, pertinent and it's just the season of life that we found ourselves in as we speak. But hard pivot here. I'm curious about your thoughts around uh, just New Year's resolutions in general mm -hmm. and what, <laughs> I don't know, like what your thoughts are on it. We can go from there, but there's a, just a lot of different opinions out there and uh I think it can be kind of confusing and, and I don't know, I think sharing our own standpoints and viewpoints can again, add to the knowledge base that people have so they can make their own informed decisions with some of yep. this stuff in the future. Yeah. So as a general statement, I love anything that gives people a reason and inspiration to make healthier choices for themselves. And I love people living the best versions of themselves. So if you want to, if you want to just happen to use this thing that is coming around right now on January first, if you want to use that as your as your reason, dude, go ahead. That is awesome. We were just at, in Greece for one of our our good friends' weddings, and I've never eaten more tomatoes, olives, and onions than I did in Greece, and like that was their salad, and it was amazing. And I realized, like, hey, even before that point, I was like, you know, I really want to get some more veggies in my diet. And I got used to eating them over there because it was just so accessible and, and they were at every single restaurant. And I was like, okay, I'll have a Greek salad. I used that as my reason to once I got back in the States, eat more veggies and it helped me create a habit. And so if you want to use January 1st and, and start off like a better version of yourself and try to just improve a little bit at a time, dude, go ahead. I, I can't stand those people that shit on New Year's resolutions because like, oh, it's not going to last and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And dude, that'd be really fucking nice if every one of us was just so dialed in where you didn't have to make a New Year's resolution and you could look down on everybody who does, but that's not the world we live in. And if we have a culturally agreed upon date to start something and that makes it easier for your brain to switch on into that mode, dude, go ahead. Do you? I, I love it. I am all for it. Yep. Likewise, man. I found myself nodding my head to everything you just said. And uh, yeah, I think 
I think the people who have the opposing opposing views, again, this is my opinion, can sometimes be part of the problem of actually creating an environment that is accessible, that's enjoyable, that's non-judgmental. Like those people out there that say you don't need New Year's resolutions to start or I hate when the gym is crowded at the beginning of the year because I've been here all year and now all these new people are coming in. Like, dude, in my opinion, you're part of the fucking problem at some level, right? And and we all have to remember that we started this journey somewhere. Some earlier than others. Some of us are still planning on starting in the future. But there's this perception that, like, you know, you should just be able to do this all year long and not have this, like, um, need to feel like you need to start and stop, man. Like, that's just not how life works, you know? And, and there's all these opportunities for people to maybe start thinking about things in a different light, right? For you, when you said like, you know, any opportunity that somebody has to like act on something and make a change for the best, like I don't give a fuck if it's July 1st or January 1st. I think that's phenomenal. Um, I doing a Q and a, I looked at some of the questions beforehand. And one of the questions was, what are your thoughts on dry January referring to, um, giving up alcohol for a month? Um, which is kind of a popular time for that to happen as well, along with new year's resolutions. And it's the same mindset, right? If, if there's a perfect, like, again, we'll always say there's never a perfect time to start anything, but there's better times for sure. And if someone's sitting here thinking like, Hey, I don't have as many social events. I don't have uh, as many family gatherings. We don't have any more work parties. I'm not seeing my friends every week. Like my friends left and they're out of town and I'm not going to see them until the summer again. And this is a time where you're not constantly bombarded or surrounded with opportunities to, you know, overeat or drink a shit ton and put yourself in positions where you're not treating your body in a way that you feel good with man, if January is a good time to start that, by all means, that is what we have to acknowledge and appreciate when those times come. So it's, uh, it's just happens to be a good time of the year because things do settle down for a lot of people. And I'm a big fan of anybody, again, trying to just uh, put themselves in position to challenge their thoughts and beliefs around what they've been doing, trying to create a new identity around who they want to be or who they want to become or what performance or outcome goals they're trying to work towards. All that shit has to start somewhere. And man, you can pull up the success rates of New Year's resolutions and they're pretty shitty if we're mm-hmm. being honest. I don't know if we have exact data on it. Some of, You'll see like 95% of New Year's resolutions fail, but even that data is a little flawed at some level. Um, but I think <laughs> we got to acknowledge that there is a 5% or 10%. Or if we can sit here and challenge the way you think about New Year's resolutions, and maybe you're adding one thing, maybe it's flossing every night, right? If you can sit here, you floss every day, or you floss once a day, and you stick with that for the whole year, like that's fucking successful. Of course, we're going to talk about health and fitness related behaviors here. But man, New Year's resolutions go far beyond that. And ironically, those other small behaviors are what lead to people sustaining other changes or taking the next step into adding more protein in their diet, adding more um, tracking of their food to their diet, adding more workouts to their regimen, trying to shoot for more steps after they've already hit some of these benchmarks. I agree. When people like go all out and have 10 goals that they're working towards, maybe not always the best plan, but man, if you can break them down into small actionable steps and, and kind of periodize that over the course of the year, New Year's resolutions could be a fucking hell of a time to start some of this shit. I got two things on that. Like number one, the people that shit on New Year's resolutions, when do they usually post their videos? It's probably around January 1st. So, so in a sense, they're saying like, okay, New Year's resolutions suck. 
And if you don't want to be one of those people, like come work with me and you'll change your life forever. Guess what? That usually tends to be a New Year's resolution in itself because that's when they post them. So just take note of that. Number two, I'd like to see. So you said like, okay, 95% of New Year's resolutions fail. What are the other percents throughout the entire year? You know, what, what, what's the data on like March 1st resolutions or, or April or May? Like they're probably not even going to be 5% successful because there aren't any, you know, that land on those days. So again, this is, it's just an opportunity to start doing something. It doesn't have to, ironically, just like your ego, it doesn't have to be bad or good. It just, it just is, you know, if you want to use it as, as a catalyst and a jumping off point, fucking go ahead. But if you don't, then, Hey, we'll start somewhere more down the road, but it's here. So you might as well take advantage of it, you know, and, and, Especially like you talk a lot about socially, you know, people who, who are social eaters or social drinkers and that's kind of their, um, their crux. Okay. And that's totally understandable, but you can also use that to your advantage and you can, a, a new year's resolution is a chance to do something in a very socially acceptable way, you know? And so if you're using the social aspect as your reason for not being as successful as you want, here's an opportunity to, to flip the script because a lot of people identify with New Year's resolutions. So it gives you something cool to talk about and like, hey dude, what healthy habit are you doing this year? I'm doing dry January, I'm doing Tantra, you know, I don't, whatever it might be, that's, it's so cool that you can use it as an opportunity to connect with other people too. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I get that comfort piece of like, oh, I feel like I'm gonna let somebody down if I go to my aunt's house and I turn down her fucking wine that she has a subscription for, right? Or if I say no to the dessert that my sister made because it's really good. Um, a lot of those opportunities come fairly frequently in the holiday season, which is again, why it's a better time for some people in yep. January to like navigate those social situations. One, because they're not even there anymore. But two, I love that you bring that up because sometimes having a reason or bringing up an excuse as to why you're doing those things can make people feel like you're not doing them. Uh, it's not personal. Yeah, it's not personal. And, and I think, again, we have to be real with ourselves, man. If you, if you can't say no to your mom because you don't want dessert or something and she can't handle that, that's, that's part of the problem too. Right. And it's, uh, again, there's a, there's a, a domino effect of things that would need to happen and for you to start to having more exposure to how you can fix that and how you can navigate through those things. But again, it's like these excuses that kind of are in your back pocket that I agree can make it a little bit easier for you to actually sit here and follow through with things instead of just giving in to the first second of peer pressure whenever you go somewhere, or if you have somebody over to the house. So I love that. I think that's great. And I'm, I want to end this podcast by just maybe talking about a handful of things. I have some in mind, but I'm curious what you would say to somebody um, having been a personal trainer for X amount of years now, myself included. And we've been through a lot of New Year's uh, resolutions, a lot of different seasons of life that people come to work with us in. What are things that you've maybe seen from successful clients or people who have had lasting success as it comes to New Year's in general, or if they're just starting their health and fitness pursuits and this is a starting point for them, or they're getting back into it after taking a long period of time out of it, you know, is there something and things that come to mind, characteristic traits that people possess that made them more successful? And what could we do to start embodying that? So all of the people listening to this, myself, yourself included, can can start to see this as a big picture thing instead of like a one month change. Yep. So two major things here. Number one, we talked about 
the trail of whys and, and kind of those that hierarchy of goals here. And the people that I see that are most successful, they're not doing it from those lower desire type goals, all right? Like, I think we've all been there when we've wanted to have a revenge body after a breakup. And hey, again, if that's your reason, and if that totally shifts your life for the better, awesome, you know? But most people that I see that are successful, they want to do it for reasons like I want to feel like the best version of myself. I want to play with my grandchildren. You know, that's a, that, I mean, kids and, and pets are a huge, huge factor in this. And it takes the focus off of you. You know, you're doing it for other people. So they have some sort of a, like an overarching goal that is not just about their body and not just about what they can do physically. So that's number one. Number two is they change their relationship with movement or with their body. You know what, if, if it's nutrition, they, you might find they, they change their relationship with food because then it's like, it takes the decision factor out of it. You know, if I can identify as somebody who just moves, you know, I am somebody who moves. I am somebody who exercises, not like I'm somebody who chooses to exercise. Hopefully, you know, we can see the distinction between those two because if I just am somebody who moves and I am someone who takes care of my body and I just am a healthy person, of course I'm going to exercise. So, it's a little easier said than done, especially, I, so I would say also to get, get help, work with a professional, work with somebody who understands these sorts of things. You can do it on your own for sure. If you, if you want to do the online training route, that is awesome. Go ahead and go for that. Um, but I find with the clients that I can work in person, the way that I have found works best is honestly just shit talking and bantering back and forth. And I'm asking them about their lives and I'm asking them, about their family and about their pets and the things they love to do, whether it's hiking or paddle boarding or pickleball, they're telling me about those things and I'm joking back and forth with them and, oh, guess what? We've just done 10 lunges. You know, that's pretty cool. So they stop looking at the gym as somewhere that they have to just like grind all the time and sweat their face off and move till they can't walk anymore. And instead it's like, oh, this is a place I have fun, you know? And of course there's times to like push a little bit out of your comfort zone in a set and try to push a little bit harder. But this is a place I enjoy coming to. Once they make that shift, it's game over. And, you know, they'll take it as far as they want to take it from there. But what about you with nutrition? What what sorts of things do you see with the people that actually make lasting change? Yeah. Yep. I found myself nodding my head to everything you just said. And I couldn't agree more, but I, I want to build off and just kind of hit this point of like finding a way to make these things a little bit more enjoyable or the opposite way of looking at that, find a way to hate things a little less, right? Yeah. Cause we can sit here all day long. You and I, I would be nobody without exercise. Like I would be lost. I can't imagine my life without training four days a week. Yeah. Right. Some people don't feel that way. They feel the opposite, right? Scared to go into the gym. Don't know what they should do at home. Don't like going and moving their body. They don't like the feeling of being sore. They don't like the feeling of like feeling pain in the gym. And that's all, that's all rational. And that, that could be part of your experience, right? But finding a way to meet yourself where you're at, instead of forcing yourself into a position where you feel like you need to be usually is, is something that can make that last a little bit longer. Cause what can happen is, Hey, let's say you don't know what to do. You're afraid to go into the gym. The gym's going to be busy. You don't know how to use any equipment. You go and you hire a personal trainer, even if it's for a month and you go work with Eric and you start to learn different movement patterns. You start to learn about why you do what you do. You start to learn about different types of exercises you could do on your own before you know it. 
you develop confidence of literally driving yourself to a space where you go work out when that wasn't an, an enjoyable experience for you, right? And then maybe that's a gateway into going on your own or being able to do stuff um, in a hybrid approach, doing things at home or at the gym, or maybe you go to your own gym or your apartment gym and you start doing things, you know, individually, like all of these things need to have a starting point, but you don't need to jump to the finish point or feel like you need to jump to the the finish line of where you think you have to be in three months or six mm-hmm. months or a year. It takes kind of a gradual kind of stepping stone approach to get there. And alongside that, embracing this concept of identity change, I think is super important. You kind of alluded to it as well. But like being, you know, thought provoking and asking yourself questions of like, you know, what does a successful person, you know, the goals that I'm looking for, somebody who's already achieved that, myself that has achieved that, what am I doing to get there? What have I done to sustain that? Starting to embody those things, those behaviors that might come from getting into the gym more frequently. It might come from getting outside of your comfort zone and doing a different style of training. It might come from saying no more often to alcohol, to social events, to late night in and out runs with your friends after a long night of partying, right? Like all of these things that it's going to take for you to get to where you want to be, but to also keep that, man, that's a really powerful experience. And I, um, there's a guy, Ethan Dupree, he's like the guy, or Ethan Suplee, he's the guy from, uh, um, remember the Titans, like the big lineman, he's in a handful of movies, yeah. big 400 pound dude, but he lost like 200 pounds or something like that. And I, um, I've heard it in other podcasts. I've also, um, you know, seen an article about it, but somebody asked him like, dude, what, what is your secret? Like you look great. You lost 200 pounds or whatever it was. And his answer was like, I like literally had to kill the person who I was and step into a new person or a new identity. Um, And it was a battle that I had to deal with every single day. And that's a very extreme, again, example way of thinking, but it worked for him. It might work for you. Your version of that might be, hey, what am I doing now that's not conducive to my goals that I can change a little bit that can kind of snowball into something bigger, right? But it it starts with identifying that you need to change your identity at some level to be the person that you want to be, to get to where you want to be and to keep that shit. Um, And then also alongside that finding a way that's going to be somewhat enjoyable for you or something that you're not going to resent that makes you um, more likely to step away from that when shit gets hard inevitably right or when summer comes around or valentine's day comes around and you eat out for the first time and you go fucking ham and then you feel like you're starting from from square one again um a lot of examples here but yeah i had one more thing please so that is i haven't found yet a perfectionist who's made it sustainable for themselves like you know, maybe maybe they've just always been fit, and uh, it's it's just integrated into them. But the perfectionists do not make it, and if they do hit a certain goal, chances are their fall is is bigger than if they weren't a perfectionist. But again, coming back to this idea of your shadow and integrating it, like perfectionism is a fear based mindset, and it's saying I'm not good enough as I am. I have to do this perfect, or else I'm really not going to be good enough, and this is the only way I'm ever going to be good enough. Like give yourself a little bit of grace to mess up and don't expect this to be a completely linear path. Just find a way to enjoy your life a little bit more. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'll uh, leave us with a famous quote by uh, my underground artist, Lil Tecca. 
in one of his songs, he says it's a curse trying to live with perfection. And I laughed when I heard that song for the first time because I've never resonated with the song more. Yeah. And that that lyric does not go with the beat and everything else that he says in that song. Wow. But I fucking feel it a lot. And I think that's kind of this overarching thing concept that we're trying to to talk about here is like you trying to be perfect is probably going to be working against you before you know it and perfection is not something that we can really expect to maintain sure you could be perfect for a period of time whatever your definition of that is but man you're inevitably going to get fucking hit in the face and it's how you recover and how you respond to that that is going to dictate your results and your success going forward it's not how long you can maintain perfection so getting in this idea of like hey heading into new year's or whatever it is Taking imperfect action is always going to be better than one, standing still, or two, doing something perfectly for a short period of time only to rebound to the other side. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Just um, a lot of the ways that we can go with this, but big overarching concepts here is like, stop trying to be fucking perfect. Like, you know deep down that that shit has never worked for you in the past, and it's going to take getting outside of that, putting your ego to the side, and being able to, like, step into a different version of yourself that's going to be here to stay. Awesome. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. If if you want to start to integrate these aspects more, please reach out to either Luke or myself. Uh, I do in-person training, online training, and Luke has a phenomenal online setup as well. Also, if you want to do something different for yourself as well, I'm about to start doing some yoga classes at the studio, which is where I did my yoga teacher training. So uh, yeah, come on by. We'll do some meditation and we'll move a little bit. We'll flow. But yeah, just just if you need help, please reach out to one of us. That's what we're here for. That's what our livelihood is. So we And we just love helping. So dude, thanks for having me on. That was amazing. Of course, dude. It was fun doing this live setup for the first time. Yeah. I'll link all your... Uh, your um, how to get to you in the show notes, but we'll, uh, we'll end it there, dude. I appreciate it. I look forward to the next one. Can't wait, man. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at Luke Smith RD. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.